This is On The Block with Brent Axe. And it is, friends. Welcome back. It is so good to have you here on uh, this Tuesday, October the 5th. Hey, October! You know what's going on during October? Halloween at the Park, presented by Duncan Americu Credit Union, Upstate Golisano Children's Hospital. You know what Duncan Halloween at the Park is, friends? It's uh, Jamesville Beach Park. It's a drive through event that's just $10 per carload now. Not person, $10 per carload, Sunday through Thursday, 15 bucks Friday and Saturday. It takes place 7 to 10 every day in the month of October. Halloweenatthepark.com is the website. That is important. Keep that in mind because that's where you got to get your tickets. Okay, there's no sales at the gate. There's no cash sales. You got to get your tickets ahead of time at Halloweenatthepark.com. And by the way, with every car ticket, Duncan will give you a coupon good for a free half dozen donuts, which you will get at the gate. So that you get at the gate. Can't get your tickets at the gate. Get your tickets at HalloweenAtThePark.com. But then we give you half a dozen donuts. Giddy up. An extended show this year with eight different Halloween-themed sections. Think kind of lights on the lake. Same deal. Drive through. It's family-friendly. You don't have the, you know, like the guys. Look, I love a good scare. I love to go to these haunted hayride things, and all of a sudden, oh, my God, there's Michael Myers. Right? Like, I love that stuff. But that's not what we're doing to you. The kids don't like that stuff. But it's it's family-friendly. It's Halloween. Oh, my God, it's Jason. No, we're not doing that. We're not doing that. Too. We wouldn't do that. Too. Oh, my God, it's Freddy Krueger. No, no, no. That's not what this is. But it is a lot of fun. Take your pictures in the costumes. It's Halloween at the park. It's presented by Duncan. American Credit Union, Upstate Gallo Central. That's Chucky! Halloweenatthepark.com to get your tickets. Both quarterbacks spoke with the media today, both Garrett Schrader and Tommy DeVito. Let's hear first from uh, Schrader. We haven't heard much from Schrader. He's come to some media events. He's done some things here and there. He's kind of eased his way into being QB1, uh, but spoke to the media today after that uh, first appearance as starting quarterback against uh, Florida State this past weekend. Now, it was a surprise that he came in against Liberty, right? This was the first game where, like, okay, we know who the starter is coming in. Florida State, we weren't given the news two hours before kickoff. It's like, okay, we know who the guy is. So how did Trader handle that, and what does he take away? What's the silver lining from what was a close loss for the Orange? There was definitely a silver lining, and um, the biggest thing was – I think there was definitely a level of confidence towards the end. I mean, we were down at one point. We were down by ten. We were excited. We we're like, we knew we were about to go score, and we did it in five plays. I think almost went 65, 70 yards or something like that. But I mean, we definitely we were hitting on all cylinders there for a little bit, and got to keep getting better, getting rid of the little mistakes, and um, capitalize, especially with with down the end zone and on turnovers. Just gotta gotta come away with. We I think we got six points on two of those drives within. Within the red zone, we need to come with touchdowns every time. What changes, if anything, with Schrader running the offense? It's the same thing we've been doing, just probably a little bit more plays. I mean, a couple more plays on my legs. That's probably the biggest thing. But still, I mean, it's there's a little bit of stuff we're doing trying to complement our uh, our run game. But besides that, it's it's all stuff that's been in the offense for the, for the past however long. But um, just using my legs a little bit more. Does he feel like he's earned the starting job at this point? Not necessarily. I think it's something that's becoming week in, week out continuing to get better and growing and evolving as often and make, make sure we're scoring points and giving us a chance to win you know if uh, if we go out there and we can't score I mean that's 
I think it's something that no, I think it's it's earned every week. How did Schrader take it, uh, and what did he have to say about Taj Harris deciding to enter the transfer? Well, if you didn't see this, by the way, today already has received an offer from Mississippi State, uh, just uh, two days in the portal. Mississippi State, where Garrett Schrader came from. How about that trade, if it happened? You know, he's probably one of our most talented receivers, and uh, you know. We support him. I love Taj, but uh, you know, got to have that next man mentality. And I, you know, I like the guys we got in our room right now that we're rolling with. And uh, they'll probably get the ball be spread out a lot more amongst them. But um, you know, love Taj. Hope, wish him the best in his uh, endeavors. But um, you know, we got next man up. We got to win. We're, we are going to win with what we have now. All right. So how does Schrader characterize his relationship at this point with Tommy DeVito? It's still about the same. I mean, he's a good dude. Uh, Two totally different people. Like I've asked the question before, but um, I don't know. We've been fine. Uh, just keep going. We show up in the meeting every day with same with a good attitude, and uh, we be ready to go. A little bit more on that. No, he's he's pretty cool. He's a calm character. Um, but um, no, he's he's been coming every day to work with a good attitude and ready to go. Just and we all feed off of that, and we should. How does Schrader looking ahead now to Wake Forest see that matchup, particularly their defense? They do a good job disguising things. They like to play a lot of man, but um, I mean they're very fundamentally sound. They play hard, play physical. So just everything that, that they've been doing, they're going to keep. We expect them to keep doing that, and um, we just got to we got to capitalize our and make sure our game plan works. Schrader, a little bit more here on the Deacons. We're pretty matched up pretty evenly. I feel like they're, they're very disciplined, very fundamentally sound team. They're coached very well. But uh, the big thing is we'll have to make sure we when we hit explosive plays, and uh, especially in the past game, you know, they play a lot of man-to-man coverage. So we'll have to make um, big plays on the outside and um, continue just to keep growing and um, following, paying attention to details. And the big thing is to make explosive plays and don't turn the ball over. All right, that's QB1, uh, the gentleman that had that title uh, recently but is now QB2, Tommy DeVito. And I think you heard uh, some of this when he came on with us on Thursday's show. But, you know, good for Tommy, by the way, getting out, talking to the media, being accountable, and it's not an easy thing to do, and you know what's coming, and you kind of have to swallow your pride a little bit. Are you enjoying this? Is he still having fun being a part of this team? Yeah, I mean, compared to everyone else my age in the world, you know, I don't have a lot to complain about. School paid for, on the football team, you know what I mean? Like, So I'm blessed to where I'm, that's where I'm at. Good to have a little perspective, right? You're a young guy in college, scholar on scholarship, Get to play college football, you know, perspective a little bit. Uh, how's he taking this? Wouldn't say that he's upset at uh, that decision, was he? I mean, I wouldn't say ticked off. You know, you're, you don't get to choose the cards you're given. Um, so, I mean, just rolling with him. Preparing as the starter, preparing as the backup. I mean, just prepare like I'm the starter. You know, same thing I've done over the past years, you know. Even when I was not starting in 2018, you know, it's the same deal. Having to watch from the sideline a little different, which he's had to do, unfortunately, in the last couple of years from his perspective with some injuries, but now it's kind of a whole new world. Well, it is different, but you have to take the same role into it. I have to be a leader. I have to make sure that I'm doing everything that I can, that I'm not on the field, you know, making sure all the communication is good on the side, making sure all the receivers are good, all the running backs are good, all the communication is good on, from their side to our side. How did DeVito see uh, the offense looking different, maybe since training camp to this point now with the quarterback change? Yeah, I mean, if you if you go through camp, you know, camp it was it was total different offense but I mean the run Sean Tucker and the offensive line the rest of the running backs made the run game work so that's what we transitioned with and that's what we're rolling with. Did DeVito feel like he didn't lose the job Garrett was given the job? I'm not gonna say any of those words those are your words but um yeah I mean the offense is it's it's clearly I mean you guys see it's 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 different than it was so I mean that's the direction that we're going so 
My number's called. I'll be ready for it. When he zooms out and looks at it, he understands what's happening because, well, the run game is working. I get it. You know, the run game's working, so keep the ball on the ground and roll with the run. But, I mean, at the same time, but I'm a competitor. I want to play. We heard from him. Uh, we heard from Schrader about his relationship with DeVito. Let's hear from DeVito on how he feels his relationship with Schrader is at this point. It's kind of the same deal. Just communication, helping each other on the field. I mean, that's really all it is and all it has been. The decision, as Tommy relays here in his conversation with Coach Babers, and again, he kind of told us this a little bit on Thursday, but they felt what they put out there Saturday was the best game plan. It was just off a uh, game plan, I guess, just last-minute decision, and then just switching the game plan around, kind of, just for that game, two hours before the game. So there you go. I think both quarterbacks said what you would expect them to say. I, I, I give Tommy credit for going out there, being as open and honest as he could there. He certainly did it with us here on this show on Thursday as well. That's kind of the gig, right? It plays out in a public space. And it's always that interesting balance when you talk about college athletes. And this team is covered and treated like a professional team. It's it's one of the biggest things that we deal with here. And it feels like you're covering a professional team, but you do it to take a step back and remember, as Tavito did in one of those clips, hey, I'm in college and I got school paid for. I'm on scholarship I'm on a college football team. Uh, it's not all bad. Right, but uh, you do have to swallow some pride when something like that happens. Interesting to hear Schrader feel like he has to continue to earn the job at this point, right? So that's what the QBs had to say. I wanted to play a little bit more audio because John Wildhack was on earlier with Orange Nation, and you could hear this whole interview at ESPNSyracuse.com in the audio vault, but there was a couple of things he touched on here, including the transfer port. Taj Harris is the latest name, but there's been a few names that have entered the portal. And as Wildhack uh, details here, yeah, welcome to the new normal. They're making decisions that they think is in their best interest. Interest, We respect that. We would obviously much prefer both of them were here. They were significant contributors for us um, on offense and special teams as well. But it is, it is the new dawn. This is what the transfer portal is. It's the new reality. And it's not unique to Syracuse. You're seeing it some other programs around the country. Now, I give John credit for discussing this because I feel like in the past, officials, be it ADs or coaches, are hesitant to criticize the league, criticize officials. You know, Dino often says it. I don't want to get fined here. And what I've said in the past is, you know what? Pay the fine if you're Syracuse. Pay the fine. Let Dino say what he needs to say to put it into context about an egregious holding call that these officials missed. And see, folks, it's not about one play affecting one game. This has been a consistent theme with these officials, and they don't get held accountable publicly. I don't care what happens behind the scenes. We don't know about that. These players and coaches have to stand in front of that that podium and be held accountable for the mistakes they make on the field. Yet the officials never are. They don't talk to the press afterwards. They just get to make their mistakes and move on. And it's not an easy gig, and I understand that. But you know what? The ones that are there know what comes with the territory. And when they blow it that big on a call like that, all I want to know is what happens? How are they held accountable? Are they suspended? Are they fined? Do they just get a reprimand? Do they get a bad grade? So for Wildhack to discuss it the way he did today, I appreciated that. Let's let's listen to the first uh, comment here where he discusses the holding call itself. That's not why we lost the game. We're never going to use that as an excuse. And the referees 
I mean, their job is is nearly impossible. And overall, they do a great job. Candidly, when you have a call like that, and it's that egregious, and we were on the opposite side all the way up in the visiting AD suite, as with three other guys who played college football, myself and another guest, we spotted it live immediately. I mean, it was is obvious, and it's right in front of the official. And I've been in rule seminars with the NFL for 25 years, and the rule of thumb is in a close game, you're not you're not going to call it unless it's egregious and can affect the outcome of the play. That was both egregious, affected the outcome of the play. I'm disappointed it wasn't called. I did exchange notes with the commissioner Sunday morning. Uh, we sent in that clip and a couple other clips. Uh, to the ACC office yesterday, which is standard protocol. But I just, I think, you know, we, 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 we deserve, and as hard as it is, we deserve better. He's right. He's 100% right to say that. And it does sound like belly aching. He was very clear that it didn't affect the game, but we all saw it. And it wasn't just Marlowe Wax. Cody Roscoe was held on that play, and you can really make the case that Michael Jones was held on that play. And the word is egregious. If it's bluntly obvious in a spot like that, you have to call it because, yeah, the old adage is you can call holding on every play. Well, how about you call holding when it's holding times 10? Now, Wild Hack brought this up in terms of accountability with officials. And let me play it first. Yeah, they've gone through a comprehensive review of the officials, grading the officials on a per-game basis. So there's, I think there's more... You know, there, there, there's more uh, accountability than maybe there was two, three years ago. Is there, though? Because we never hear about it. We never hear about it. And I'm sorry. I think that's the point we're at. These these refs need to be, I don't want to say publicly shamed, but that's what's coming to my brain. Because maybe that will help them perform better. And what they get behind the scenes, maybe it does. I don't know. It's not an easy gig. We get to watch 100 replays of these things. The, the way they make these calls are affected by replay because they know Big Brother's watching. All the scoring plays are reviewed. I mean, there are better systems in the place than there were, as John noted, there even a couple of years ago. But what what's the what is the accountability? I want to know this. Enough sympathy for these guys. They know what they signed up for. Do your job. I know it's a judgment call, and it's not 100%. They do, for the most part, a pretty good job. Where I, where you lose me, by the way, is when they say there's some sort of bias against Syracuse and ACC officials don't like them Yankees up there. Stop. Just stop with that. That is nonsense. That I will not buy for a second. Because it's not true. Because if these officials had any stated bias or any you know pattern of bias towards teams, they wouldn't be officiating. You know what officials are, are biased towards? Their paycheck. They want to get paid to do games. I've talked to too many officials out there, and I don't think they'd mind me saying their names. The Pat Driscolls of the world, the Matt Palums of the world, the guys that do this day in and day out. Now, Driscoll does basketball, right? But just from a, a a broader perspective about what officials go through, right? Like, they don't hate certain teams. It's just not true. That's conspiratorial nonsense, okay? So the same people that are telling you to take, you know, I won't get into the vaccine conversation, right? But listen, that's not true. So you lose me when you start going, oh, these refs have had it in for Syracuse for years. No, that's the team you watch every week. 
Every team in every league thinks the refs have it out for them. That's just garbage. But you know what has been garbage as well? The consistency of these officials missing calls in big spots. We just watch Syracuse every week. Here's the thing, though, guys. It's happening all across the league. Listen to the fan bases of the other teams. It's happening to them, too. This is just the team you watch every week. So don't give me that crap because that's just not true at all. They got it in for Syracuse. Stop. No, they're just becoming bad at their job, unfortunately. And there's a lot of reasons for that. So I was encouraged to hear John say that in a way. But, again, what's, what is this accountability you speak of? Because I, I don't hear about it. You ask the league about it, and they just basically like, yeah, never heard of them, right? Let's break on that note. We can certainly continue that conversation if you'd like. Got a couple great guests coming up. We'll get a Wake Forest perspective from Connor O'Neill about a half hour from now. Howard Dolgan's going to join us top of the hour. We've got a lot to do as we cruise forward. Let's do some hot takes when we come back, including speaking of officials, by the way. Bravo, Joey Bosa. If you haven't heard this, we'll play it for you coming up. Stay right there. This is On the Block with Brent Axe. Welcome back, friends. Great to have you on board here. We're cruising along a Tuesday On the Block, ESPN Radio. Don't forget, QSportsTalk.com. Where you can watch the show and participate in the live chat. We're just having a discussion about that during the break, which our friends on QSportsTalk.com know and are, are probably now discussing in the live chat. I didn't take kindly to something that was said in the live chat, but that's okay. We're not always going to agree. That's the beauty of it. We just passed 444. If you've been hurt in a car, it's time to call William Matar at 444-4444. On the Block is also presented by Del Lago Resort and Casino. That's got your ticket for the best entertainment in the region. October's lineup at the Vine is loaded at Del Lago, including Michael Carbonaro, the Little River Band, Stone Temple Pilots, the Clairvoyance, Colt Ford, and more. Go to DelLagoResort.com for your tickets and to see the full lineup today. Let's do some hot takes, shall we? We've got a hot one for you. Oh, you're hot. Why, thank you. So are you. And I'm not afraid to cry. So hot. So hot and hot. Man, it's hot. How hot is it? It's so hot, I poured McDonald's coffee in my lap to cool off. <laughs> it's time for Hot Takes on the Block. All right, now i got to find this clip, so give me a moment here while I pull it up in the studio. But my man, Joey Bosa. Now, I don't. I, I swear, I, this is not pick on officials day. It just made me think of it because we were discussing what John Wildeck said about the ACC officials. Where do you hear an NFL player? Be this direct, open, and take a shot at NFL officials. If you missed it from last night, and the and the Chargers won. The Chargers beat the Raiders last night. But Joey Bosa, let's just say, did not hold back on the performance of uh, the officials. I didn't even know they called the penalty on me because I was fuming. But, I mean, refs are blind. Simple. I'm sorry, but you're blind. Like, open your eyes and do your job. It's so bad. It's unbelievable. I mean, look at the play. Sack, game over, 15 yards. It's a big deal. Um, Obviously, that's on me. I should never lose my control like that. But these guys have got to do a better job because it's been years of 
terrible, terrible missed calls left and right. It's uh, really pathetic, honestly, but pathetic on me, too, for, for doing what I did. Call or not, I have to take a step back and just go to the next play. But, man, they just seem to not be even have their eyes open half the time. Thank you, Joey Bosa. Thank you for that. He'll get fined for it, and the NFL will protect these officials who, again, are not held accountable. Once in a while, they'll give like a, a broad statement to a pool reporter or something of that nature, but the ref that blows that call doesn't have to come to the press conference like Joey Bosa does, win or loss, the coach, win or loss. Why did you run this play? How come you guys didn't execute on this? And just do an autopsy on a game that they just won or lost 10 minutes ago. Why don't officials do it? Why are they protected that way? I mean, their their credibility's already gone. The way that these leagues try and protect these guys, uh, I got a memo for you. It ain't working. Joey Bosa speaks for a lot of players and a lot of fans and a lot of teams and a lot of people. They're probably like, yes, someone said it, right? So the way that the National Football League and college football goes about protecting these officials to try and kind of shield them from scorn, if you will, it's not working. So let's figure this out because it's a problem all around. And you want to know what I think the biggest problem is of it all? That's hot. There's too many rules. There's too many rules to enforce. There's too much oversight. There's too many things to remember. What can you replay? What can you not? And again, it's a vicious cycle because they miss calls and we yell and scream and say, fix it. Go to replay. Do this. We're part of the problem. Don't get me wrong here. Like we've asked for too much here. There's just certain things that you kind of have to let go if they're not seen. And sometimes replay actually makes the problem worse. So I'm not saying I've got the silver bullet to fix it here, but obviously it's a big problem. You know, it's not a big problem. NBC's ratings for Tampa, New England, for all the people that say, oh, I'm so sick of Brady and Belichick and the buildup to this and the Adele promo. And as much as we say we hate this stuff, I mean, I'm getting texts from my mother, <laughs> which I just, I laugh every time I think about it. My mother sends me texts once in a while saying how much, like, she loathes Tom Brady. And I just, I can't get enough of them. They're fantastic. But that's to the level games like that get hyped up. When when my mom notices and has a comment on it, like, okay, we've hit the mainstream, right? Yeah, her son does a radio show and she listens to the show. But, you know, listen, my mom wouldn't know Joey Bosa, for example, if he walked in the room, right? But... She knows Brady. She knows what's happening on the promos and seeing things through the week. And, yeah, second highest rated Sunday night football game ever. I brought it up earlier with Yankees-Red Sox, right? For all the people that say, oh, I'm so tired of hearing about these teams. It's like, well, then why do they get the ratings they do? The Dallas Cowboys, for all of the attention they get, and it is frustrating because they haven't done bupkis for 25 years. But go look at the ratings the highest-rated football games in history. I just saw this list randomly cross my path the other day. Highest rating in NFL football games. It's like the last 25 years. Eight out of ten of them involve the Dallas Cowboys. And, yeah, Thanksgiving games tend to get high ratings. That's part of it. They're on Thanksgiving every year, but they weren't all Thanksgiving games. They weren't even all high-profile playoff games or things that naturally would get huge ratings. There's a reason brands exist in sports, right? So 
Gillette Stadium's uh, the much hype return is the much hype return to Gillette Stadium was quote the second most watched Sunday night football ever, a total audience delivery of twenty eight point five million on NBC, Peacock, and various other digital platforms. The only higher rated Sunday night was yep you guessed it a Dallas Cowboys game in twenty twelve. Now, we do need to get to a break on that note, but we've got some exciting things coming up here. We'll continue the Syracuse-Wake Forest discussion. Connor O'Neill will join us to tell us how the heck Wake Forest became the class of the ACC. Howard Dolgan's going to join us. Drop that puck, get some hockey talk going here. Opening night is approaching in just a couple of weeks, and, of course, we'll have uh, full coverage for you right here on your home for Crunch Hockey, ESPN Syracuse, all year long. Just a great time of the year, man. We got a one game playoff in baseball. We're talking football. We got hockey coming. We got basketball around the corner. I mean, giddy up. What a great sports month. We'll keep it going next. Stay right there.